Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. He's pretty good. He's really, 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 really good. Aaron Rodgers, excellent quarterback. Beyond just an excellent quarterback. I said this last year. Aaron Rodgers is the best athlete in the sports world. Maybe the best athlete of all time across sports back through time. All the way back to the the original Olympians. We can go all the way back to the beginning of sports in world history. Trace it all the way back, and I think we might come to the conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is the best athlete in the history of the world. Right now, I argued last year that he is the best athlete in sports today. Better than LeBron. Better than Messi. Yes. Yes, he is. Because he plays a sport that requires the use of your brain as much as your physical skills. And the quarterback position is more valuable to his team than any other position in any other sport. You could argue goalie in soccer and hockey, but I would come back and say, you have seen teams win championships with subpar goalie play. It is very rare to see teams win a championship at the NFL level with subpar quarterback play. You have to go all the way back to one or two outliers like Trent Dilfer. So no position is as important to his to the team's success as the quarterback position. And no position in all of sports is as demanding physically and mentally as the quarterback position. And then on top of that, American football specifically requires precision and feats of athletic brilliance within a swirl of violence that other sports simply do not force their players to endure. And yet Aaron Rodgers does all of this better than anyone ever has in that sport. And the distance that Aaron Rodgers is creating between himself and the quarterbacks of the past, the great quarterbacks of the past, whether it be Bart Starr, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, he is now widening the gap. Aaron Rodgers is better than those other quarterbacks from the past by a wide margin. Playing the most important position in his sport, which also happens to be the most difficult position to play in all of sports, in what can be argued is the most violent sport when you look at the statistics in terms of lifespan statistics, the concussion statistics, the number of players that require medical assistance later in life, assisted living later in life. Most of these players are dealing with some form of brain trauma, whether it be mild or severe, after playing football. So when you add all of that up, you stack all those factors up, I think it's clear. I don't think it's up for dispute that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest athlete that we have today in the world. And now I think it's time to start the conversation. Is he the greatest athlete in world history? However, you do not want to have this conversation with anyone from the site profootballfocus.com. It's not a site you want to go if you want to bask in the glow of the greatness of Aaron Rodgers because Pro Football Focus yesterday graded Aaron Rodgers' performance against Kansas City, a five-touchdown performance, with a negative 0.8 grade. And that's all anyone's talking about right now on social media. I sat down to do a show today about an hour ago. Had notes prepared. Hey, here's some guys you're going to pick up on the waiver wire. And then I witnessed this bomb dropping and all of the carnage that ensued after seeing this pro football focus grade of Aaron Rodgers. The timing is just bad for them. It's really bad timing. 
the number of tweets that are out there in the social media conversation sphere questioning that grade of Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I couldn't count them all. I looked, I did a query on Twitter to see what people were saying about that grade, and the tweets were in the thousands criticizing that trade. I mean, this is going to be one of those epic social media meltdowns where someone from the organization is going to have to come out and discuss it further. They have stepped in it at Pro Football Focus, and it's a terrible place to be. I feel so bad for whoever is there that has to manage the public relations, and specifically the public relations around social media at Pro Football Focus. And this is going to challenge the axiom that all publicity is good publicity, because I don't think that's true. Maybe it used to be true before social media because it was more difficult to get the word out about your brand. But whether it's airline having a, a plane crash, that's never good for business. There's no way you could argue that the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico was good for BP's business. It wasn't. So all publicity is not good publicity. So we'll see how Pro Football Focus handles this. Because they have ignited a firestorm. Also, the problem, it's Wednesday. This is a dead period in the week. Nothing is going on on Wednesday to talk about. So this is what every sports radio cliche sports jock is going to latch on to talk about today. I guarantee it. If you turn on radios around the country, this is what the cliche sports jocks are going to talk about. And, and what am I talking about? I'm talking about this. Am I a cliche sports jock? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of these narcissistic blowhards that thinks that I can do a show by myself and I can just talk into a microphone and what I'm saying is interesting enough for thousands of people to listen to? Yeah, yeah. And this topic is interesting. This is, this is a topic all of the sports jocks are going to want to talk about, but it's also interesting. So I'm going to talk about it too. It's just fascinating on a lot of levels how the interest in this controversy is universal. Again, I haven't seen a firestorm on social media like this in a long time. I was trying to think back the last time I saw a firestorm on social media around a particular topic. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Tweet us at rotounderworld if you can think of a time when this kind of firestorm was ignited on social media around football. Because it's crazy. I mean, it was one thing last year when Pro Football Focus ranked Ryan Tannehill the number one quarterback in their quarterback grades after two weeks. They received some blowback from that. I remember the blowback they received from that. And I remember that it was a topic of conversation on a lot of sports radio shows. Absolutely. But that is nothing compared to what they're going to receive now. That was like a minor blowback. That was like a little campfire with some logs, right? Some sparks, Right, you hear the crackling. Let's get some marshmallows. Pro Football Focus ranked Ryan Tannehill the best quarterback in the NFL through two weeks. Let's get some marshmallows and see what people have to say about that. Oh, boy. This Aaron Rodgers fiasco, this is a five-alarm fire. This is multi-blocks. This is like the Chicago fire in the 1800s. This could wipe out an entire city. That's the kind of inferno that is raging right now around the grade of Aaron Rodgers being negative. Negative grade, five touchdowns, one of the best performances we've seen by a quarterback in a long time, to the untrained eye, of course, to the naked eye, to the fan, 
to the fantasy gamer who had Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers and James Jones in their lineup felt good last night. All hail thee, all praise thee, Aaron Rodgers, the demigod. I mean, they could have given any other quarterback a negative grade and no one would have blinked. It would have made no news. It would not be a topic of conversation. But you give Aaron Rodgers a negative grade in a game in which he threw for five touchdowns in prime time? Yes, it's amazing. It really is amazing because you can go to social media. Well, let's go to social media right now. So we'll hear what they had to say. Chris Ryan, who has a one of the blue check marks next to his name so he's been validated by twitter as a member of the sports media chris ryan says i don't know where he's from chris ryan says if you gave aaron Rodgers a negative grade for his play monday you should probably reevaluate your grading process Ooh, the critics are coming in the critics social media everyone has a voice here we go at cjn3 writes Pro Football Focus's grading system is clueless. The tape tells a better story. Pro Football Focus just lost all their credibility. And on and on. I mean, this is just, I just opened the window just now and just read the three tweets that were on the screen. And it goes on essentially into infinity saying things like that. And it's bad timing for Pro Football Focus because just last month, they pulled these grades that they do, these overarching grades of the players on a per-game basis, which then roll up into an overall season grade on the players. They pulled these scores, these grades on players, from their baseline subscription. And they sent a long email to their subscribers saying, on this particular date, we are going to be changing our pricing model, and the baseline subscription that you've been subscribing to will remain the same price it just will no longer include the grades. The grades are going to be an add-on as of this date. And I think that's a good idea. I think whenever you can make your pricing more granular, it gives the customer more choices. So I'm all in favor of Pro Football Focus identifying the, the aspects of their product that are particularly time-consuming, that are costly to develop, and making sure that those are priced accordingly. That is a transparent, sound pricing model for a subscription service. So I agree with them for doing that. If I were them, I would do the same thing. It's just bad timing that the thing you're charging extra for is now the thing that you're getting criticized for and the thing that people on social media are saying is causing you to leak credibility. But they have to defend it, you see. They have to. This is an interesting situation. The reason why I find this story fascinating is because it puts the people at Pro Football Focus in an interesting conundrum. And I love conundrums. Oh, you know how I love conundrums. Oh, yes. Because they have to defend it, right? Put yourself in their shoes. They have to defend it. They cannot walk this back. If they walk it back, it nullifies all of their past grades on all players back through time. That's hundreds of thousands of man hours wiped away if they change this grade because it calls into question every grade from the past. So they have to defend this grade because they have no choice. Even if five quality assurance people go back, supervisors go back and watch the film again and regrade Aaron Rodgers, and they all come back like scorekeepers, judges for a boxing match, come back and say, oh, wow, when we compared our grades, we he would have had a plus 1.3. So now that we've cross-checked the grade... We have a different opinion of Aaron Rodgers' performance. 
but we can't change it. They're stuck. They're stuck because it's about the integrity of the data and the integrity of their process. If they change it, it calls everything into question. I mean, this is a nightmare. This is my personal nightmare because I run playerprofiler.com, which has similar information to Pro Football Focus. And I can tell you from personal experience, from the, from the thought experiments that I have done myself, that if this kind of PR fiasco happened to me, happened to playerprofiler.com, I would lose sleep. I wouldn't be able to sleep. It would probably chop years off my life. It would be that stressful if this happened because there's just been so much invested in playerprofiler.com up to this point that if one number were to come along and throw the entire site and all the data into question, that would be devastating for me. So again, I empathize with the people at Pro Football Focus. I can't imagine what they're thinking right now, what they're saying in the meetings. It's just fascinating. It would be interesting to be a fly on the wall at Pro Football Focus right now to be on these email strings and to know what they're saying, how they're going to spin this, how they're going to manage the PR. But it's also interesting to me to hear to see these reactions on social media because it's like people are finding out for the first time that Pro Football Focus is based on something that is subjective and unscientific. Specifically, the grades are subjective and unscientific. That the grades are essentially just made up by people observing games. I mean, how many points in this particular grading system was that throw worth, or that throw worth, or that throw worth? If you think it through, the mechanics behind creating a grade for a player for a particular game, you have to come up with some arbitrary number of points that each throw is worth and create a standard by which you assign points or not based on what the individual is observing. How many other quarterbacks could have made that throw? It's, it's not scientific. It's an imperfect process. It's an imperfect process because it has to be. Because there's no other alternative. If you want that kind of data on players, it has to be subjective. It has to be imperfect and unscientific. Because there is no scientific process right now to make the grading of players 100% analytical. So what we have now with Pro Football Focus, which is the best that we have, it's an arbitrary system that's been developed over years of trial and error and guesswork to figure out how best to weight the outcome of each throw, of each catch, of each run. But that is not a scientific process. And it can't be scientific because there's no sport view camera in the NFL like there is in the NBA. Until the players are wearing GPS devices and making that data available to sites like Pro Football Focus, until the NFL has the equivalent of sport view cameras installed in their stadiums, we won't be able to grade Aaron Rodgers with real analytics. We're going to have to use a subjective grading process. And the organization that has the best subjective grading process that's gone through the most trial and error that's had the most hours of, of thought and creating a tried-and-true process over time is pro football focus. Easily, by far and away, they're the best. But that doesn't make them infallible. Pro football focus is absolutely going to grade some players in some games, assign them with grades that violate their standard practices for grading. It is going to happen. It's called human error. And until it can be a 100% machine-based process, there is going to be human error. And that's not a big deal. 
that doesn't call into question the integrity of Pro Football Focus's grading system. It's just, it's just a ridiculous comment to make. But that's what people think. Like it's some glitch in the machine. This negative .08 grade on Aaron Rodgers. It's not. It has always been and it will continue to be until technology changes. A human process. A subjective process of grading these players. That doesn't mean you throw out the grade. The grades are still valuable. The grades are still meaningful. The grades are still created using a standardized process that has been developed over time by experts in the field. What more could you ask for given the technology that we have, given the fact that we don't have sport view cameras and we don't have these players wearing GPS trackers? This is the best we have, but it is subjective observations. These are grades created from subjective observations made by a lot of different people with different points of view and different biases and different levels of experience. The guy that's been at Pro Football Focus 10 years is going to have less grades, fewer grades that violate Pro Football Focus's standards for grading than a new person. But do you realize how many people they're grading? They're grading every player that sets foot on an NFL field. That's a lot of manpower. It's an unfathomable amount of manpower. I can't even get my head around what Pro Football Focus does. It's so complex, and it requires such a sprawling organization. All these people around the world interwoven on computers, watching these games and grading using a consistent process. It is a, what they have done at Pro Football Focus is a feat. It is a feat that even someone like me who's launched a site, a football analytics site called playerprofiler.com, even I cannot get my head around what they've done. It's so impressive. But at the same time, I'm not surprised at all that whoever was grading Aaron Rodgers at Pro Football Focus last night didn't fully appreciate Aaron Rodgers' performance. That happens. But it's pretty unlucky that it happened on that particular performance to that particular player. That's bad luck. Really bad. But it can happen. Think about how it happens, though. Because these grades are essentially scouting scorecards. And as we've talked about before, scouting is always a subjective exercise. Remember, some tape grinders watched Tevin Coleman rush for 200 yards, but they essentially gave him a negative grade because they were armed with the all-powerful second guess. Oh, he could have cut that one back and got more yards. Even though he gained five, we're going to give him a negative grade on that run because it should have been 10. Really? Someone else could have watched that same run and said that Tevin Coleman got the most out of it, that he ran downhill. When you think it through, that's what it means to be subjective. That the grades by individual human beings of a performance that they're watching are going to be different, even if they're using the same standards. This is how football is right now. This is where we're at in football. 20 years ago, before we had Pro Football Focus, we were much less informed. Now we're more informed. 20 years from now, we're going to be so much more informed. There's going to be less errors. There's going to be less grades that make you scratch your head. But this is where we are right now, and it's okay. Because the alternative is... That Pro Football Focus costs thousands of dollars a year. Because Pro Football Focus is not staffed by former football players and coaches. That's not sustainable. That's not affordable. That's not a business model that makes sense. They're staffed by football fans like you and me. People that are interested in football and interested in analytics. Analyzing performances on the field. Those are people they can afford. And then the output of those individuals can then be afforded by customers. Yeah, their grades would be better if it were all coaches and former players doing the grades, but that's just not possible. 
It's not feasible. The site wouldn't exist if that was who was doing the grading. So again, on multiple levels, this Aaron Rodgers controversy illustrates a conundrum that Pro Football Focus has and that we are at an inflection point right now in football analytics. Because if that's the best we have and Aaron Rodgers can go out and do what he did last night and score a negative 0.8 grade, then what we have now is flawed and it needs to be better. That's it. At playerprofiler.com, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be better. We're trying to build on what Pro Football Focus has done, the groundwork they've laid, and we're trying to build on it and provide alternatives and provide more choices for individuals that are interested in better understanding the performances on the field. That's all we're trying to do is illuminate the performances on the field. Because before, 20 years ago, we only had the stories that the journalists would write up in the newspaper to explain the performances that we saw. That was the analysis. The journalist up in the skybox, up in the journalist press box, watches the game, analyzes it, writes it in a column, and that's, that's all we had. And a box score. Yards and touchdowns. Counting stats. So we had a narrative from a journalist, the one journalist that that paper employed to watch that game, one journalistic narrative, and a couple counting stats. That's what we had 20 years ago. So we've come a long way since then, and we're going to keep going further. And what we're doing at playerprofiler.com isn't necessarily more sophisticated than what Pro Football Focus is doing. Not at all. Nothing that we're doing at playerprofiler.com is more sophisticated than what Pro Football Focus is doing. Let me explain that again. We're not doing anything better than they are. We're not offering anything more technically savvy than they are. They are way out ahead of us. We cannot possibly catch them in terms of the workforce that they can deploy to analyze games, the technology that they have at their disposal. That is a barrier we will never cross at playerprofiler.com. So what did we choose to do? At playerprofiler.com, we took a step back and said, well, there's some great data on Pro Football Focus. How can we improve it? We can improve it by being easier to use. We can improve it by making it free. That's what we can do. We can simplify it and make it more accessible. That's the value we can bring. Because that's always the, the question. What's your value proposition? How are you providing value, 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 value? Well, that's how we're providing value at playerprofiler.com. And I've been looking for an entree into discussing this because that's why we created this podcast originally was to help explain the fundamentals that make up playerprofiler.com. I felt a podcast would be necessary to help explain what production premium is and how it can be applied to help teach those that are interested in the site how to get the most out of it and also provide some background and some historical information and some context. Why was this site created? And so this controversy actually gives me a unique opportunity that's relevant to discuss this. So that's what I'm doing. Because what I decided to do when I created playerprofiler.com was to go out and gather the data that I was using in giant spreadsheets to evaluate players, condense it, distill it into one single page. That's what playerprofiler.com is. And some of the data that shows up on playerprofiler.com is similar to what I used to go to Pro Football Focus to access. But every time I went to Pro Football Focus, I felt like I was water skiing behind a battleship. 
It was way too much information. I always felt like this tool is great, but it's more of a tool for scouts and agents and team personnel than it is a tool for fantasy gamers and sports fans. It's more a tool for football insiders. Does that grade help me when I'm deciding who to pick up in fantasy? Not really. It doesn't. So the things we track on playerprofiler.com and we offer for free are things like deep passing opportunity and deep passing completion percentage, evaded tackles and elusiveness for running backs, contested catches for wide receivers, offensive line grades, air yards, yards after the catch for wide receivers, red zone data, particularly important for running backs, snap data, very important for both running backs and wide receivers and tight ends for that matter. We used the snap data a lot last year to help forecast Travis Kelsey watching his role in the offense grow. So that's the whole point. The whole point of playerprofiler.com is to create a free service that you can go to and on one single page see all of these metrics in one place and not have to go out and search through list after list after list of complicated information, most of which irrelevant to fantasy football, and it's free. So that was the goal of playerprofiler.com, and it's times like this where it's just good to remind myself, actually, why I built the site in the first place. It's a good reminder, but it's also a good opportunity to talk about the origins of the site and what the goals of the site were. So contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter, email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. If you have any questions about the data, I want to use this platform as, a, as almost a Q&A, almost like customer support. So if you have any questions about how to use particular data elements on the site, let us know. We'll tell you. We love those questions. That's the anti-buzzard question. The farthest end of the spectrum on the anti-buzzard message is asking questions about the utility of playerprofiler.com. Best possible question we could ever get. Also, if there's particular data that you find helpful on any site out there, or data that you have yet to find on a site and you would love if it was available, let us know that too, and we'll work on maybe trying to get it. We have a team of people now that watch all the games and chart the games in order to track contested catches, evaded tackles, and deep passes. We chart all of that ourselves. We have a whole team of people that are invaluable. They've volunteered their time to this project, and it is subjective. We have a process in place. We have standards that define what a contested catch is, and there are cases where one person sees a contested catch and the other person does not see a contested catch, and that's rare, but it happens. And so we have peer review to make sure we have multiple eyes looking at that contested catch or that evaded tackle to determine does that fit the standards by which we've defined an evaded tackle? Does that fit the standards by which we've defined a contested catch or not? But we're going to get some wrong. It's not an infallible process. It's not scientific. It's subjective. Some advanced metrics are sourced subjectively. And that's just football, everybody. It's a bunch of bodies out there randomly colliding. No play looks the same. If you had a a sky view camera and you were looking down at a baseball play or you were looking down at a basketball play, there would be a number of plays throughout the season that are indistinguishable from one another. A line drive to the center fielder, a pick and pop in basketball. You could zoom out 
and show that same play happening over and over again in different games by different teams with different players. And if you zoomed out a little bit, you wouldn't be able to distinguish one play from the next. They look so similar on those fields of play, but not football. Every play is different. It's a big field with 11 guys running and pushing and jumping and rolling and colliding. It is infinitely more difficult to analyze football plays scientifically than it is those other sports. That's why baseball and basketball are well ahead of football in the analytics world. It's not because football people are dopes. Football analysts are Neanderthals. Football fans could care less about analytics, but the sophisticated fans in baseball and sophisticated fans of basketball care about analytics. But these dopes that watch football don't care about analytics. That's not what it is. It's not a customer demand problem. It's the intrinsic sport itself is the problem. But we do the best we can at playerprofiler.com to provide value. Now, I do want to get into a new segment called Who Am I Picking Up Right Now? Because it's Tuesday. It's pickup day. And I apologize to the audience. I think in a couple different shows, the last couple Tuesdays we did a show, and I might have mentioned one or two players that were good pickups, and then waivers would run Tuesday night, and I would be giving advice on players to pick up on Thursday, and people are emailing the show and saying, hey, uh, thanks for that advice on Thursday, but that's not really helpful. Why didn't you tell us who to pick up on Tuesday instead of going off on one of your tangents, like I did today, by the way, instead of just bloviating about how right you were, why wouldn't you tell us who to pick up? Give us advice. That's what your job is. You're a fantasy expert. You're a fantasy analyst. Analyze fantasy football and tell us who to pick up. Stop talking about your own site and your own goals and your own mission. Blah, 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 blah. Tell us who to pick up. That leads me into the new segment. What I'm going to do now is I'm just going to list players in order of preference that I'm picking up and I think you should pick up. And then later in the week, Wednesday and Thursday, we will analyze these players in more depth. But I'll at least get the information out to you now so you have it and you can't say that I didn't tell you on Tuesday. How about that? That's the new segment. So I have some imaging for this segment. Let's go to who Matt Kelly's picking up this week in fantasy football. <laughs> Pukey radio personality voice. Who you picking up this week, Matt? All right, well, hey, thanks. Uh, I'm here to pick up some players and tell you about some players I'm picking up. First player that you need to go pick up. Okay, I'm going to stop. That's just stupid. That's a, that voice is hard to do. That voice takes a lot of effort. Carlos Williams. Pick up Carlos Williams. Get Carlos Williams. In your hierarchy of needs, Carlos Williams needs to be number one. We will get into it later in the week. Why Carlos Williams is such a fantastic pickup. Why Carlos Williams was a precocious prospect. Why I'm so excited about Carlos Williams. But for this week in particular, Carlos Williams blows away any particular pickup for week four. But also for the rest of the season, I also believe Carlos Williams will have value. You pick him up now to help you win your week four matchup, which he will do, I promise. He will be an autoplay this week, but then I also think he will be a guy you can flex moving forward. Get Carlos Williams, number one. Number two, get Leonard Hankerson. You might already have Leonard Hankerson. If you do, congratulations. You listen to the show. You follow me on Twitter. Good job. You have Leonard Hankerson already. 
Everyone should probably have Leonard Hankerson already, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned him just in case you may have been just getting back from another solar system. Maybe you just came through a wormhole. Leonard Hankerson has dominated Roddy White in targets the last few weeks. Six targets was second on the team, and he was second on the team in targets the previous week as well. Now, he might be available because he only had three catches for 45 yards last week. So there are leagues where I think his week two was seen as fluky, where he had over 50 yards and a touchdown. This week, less than 50 yards, no touchdowns. There may be leagues where people are dropping Leonard Hankerson. You need to go get him because he is the number two receiver for the Falcons. Now, I know Roddy White outsnapped him, but Roddy White has been invisible. I don't know why he's not able to get separation. I don't know why Matt Ryan isn't looking at Roddy White or throwing to him in the read progressions, but he's not. And I'm not here to make excuses about Roddy White. We'll do that on another day. I still think Roddy White is rosterable, just not startable. And his presence does not preclude you from picking up Leonard Hankerson. This is a high-volume offense, and Leonard Hankerson was one of the better wide receiver prospects that has come along in the NFL in a while. And we'll talk about him more later in the week. The next guy is Philip Dorsett. You need to get Philip Dorsett. This is a high-volume offense. Get Philip Dorsett. You need to also get Ty Montgomery. I know, Janice Loyalist, I am. But I'm picking up Ty Montgomery because he led the Packers in snaps. For the same reason you want to get Dante Moncrief and Leonard Hankerson, you want Ty Montgomery because you want a wide receiver that is functioning in a high-volume offense. You also want to get Antonio Andrews. Tennessee has a bye, so now is the time to get Antonio Andrews. Going into a bye, some people might not bother picking him up. You need to get him. That's the new starting running back for Tennessee. Finally, deeper leagues, dynasty leagues, go get a guy named Benny Fowler. 